What's up, guys, to the newest podcast episode, episode number one. My name is Will Grant, and we are with the co-host, Dr. Edwin Adams, um, Mr. Leadership himself. How are you doing today, Edwin? What's up, WG? Uh, it is a great day to record a podcast episode with you, my brother. Yeah, I'm super, super excited to finally get this going. You know, I know we've been talking about it for some time. It's been in the back of my head for a long time. It's been in the front of my head for, you know, some time as well. And I'm excited to finally get these conversations going with you and some influential, inspiring people. And um, I'm excited to meet with you again every single week. You know, um, for those of the listeners who've been following either me or you for a while, we go back we go back, me and you, <laughs> you know, like how long have we decade. known each other, Edwin? Over a decade. Can you believe that? Is that, that? true? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I sent you a picture not too long ago of, of you and me in Monroe, Louisiana, when you came over here to do a BMX race. Yeah. And ever since then, you, you keep coming back, dude. I don't know what it is. It must <laughs> be a, a brotherly love of some sort, but I appreciate it a ton. Yes, sir. How did we first get connected and how did we first start working together? Yeah. So actually it was a local bike shop here um, that actually printed t-shirts and I used them all the time to print my, print my t-shirts. And then I just started asking him questions about BMX because he was the bike shop to go to for all the local BMX athletes. And your name came up in conversation because I was like, BMX, BMX, I just don't know anything about that. How would I who would I follow and how would I know about BMX? And around the same time, I was doing drug testing with the UCI. So, you know, I also had another connection to BMX. So, of course, pro athletes are always, I hate to say it, on the radar, right? And so yeah. I just started following you, man, and um, sponsored you a little bit. And you came to Monroe for a, 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 a debut race over here. And it, it's just been a cool friendship that we've developed over time. Yeah, yeah, it really has been. It kind of started off as a friendship. And then, like you said, you were a sponsorship in, you know, um, my early pro career. And then, you know, you're super smart in many different areas, and especially with uh, – you know, stuff with uh, computers in an area that I'm really, really bad at. So pretty much every time I have a question with a computer, I'm definitely calling you. But you're a doctor as well. You know, what um, did you get your doctorate in? Or can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm a pharmacist by education. So I went to pharmacy <laughs> school and got a bachelor's degree, realized I wanted to take my career a little a little farther. I didn't want to work at Rite Aid, CVS, Walmart, or Walgreens. I didn't want to be that behind the counter pharmacist. I wanted I wanted to either teach or do research or or be in a clinical setting working beside doctors and nurses. So I went for my doctor of pharmacy degree. It's called a PharmD degree. It's the clinical practice doctorate degree that allows you to really take your knowledge to the patient's bedside and really impact patient care. So I've been doing that for almost three decades, if you can believe that. Um, what first got you interested or thinking about um, being a pharmacist and medicine and wanting to go through all of that schooling to make sure you got the DR in front of your name. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy, easy answer. Well, I'm a nerd at heart. Uh, that's yeah. that's the best way to answer that. But I think, um, uh, truthfully speaking, I think it's curiosity. I'll, I've always been curious how things worked. 
Um, and, and I can just remember as a kid, whenever I had an earache or a sore throat or something, mom and dad would, would give me medicine. And I loved going to the pharmacy and sitting down, um, with the pharmacist there. Cause you know, small town pharmacies, they'd give you a Coca-Cola, they'd talk your ear off. And all the while they were helping hundreds of people walk, walk through the door. And I just thought that was it was cool. They knew a lot about how the body worked and how chemistry worked. And they also took care of people. So I think, I think that instilled that curiosity in me to take it into a professional career. Well, and to me, Edwin, that is actually so, so interesting because my background and experience with medicine is kind of the complete opposite, you know? And one of the biggest things that I've um, learned in my life is to you know, being human, we tend to be wrong almost all of the time, right? And one thing I've learned from uh, Ray Dalio and his book Principles is that if, you know, it's almost impossible to really get to the truth, but the way to get closest to the truth is try to find the smartest people you possibly can with a different perspective. You know, like have a good conversation with the smartest people you can find who maybe disagree with you. Right. And like a lot of people who have followed my stuff a lot know, like, you know, I'm not necessarily big on pharmaceuticals. You know what I mean? I'm not necessarily big with medicine. I always try to go for the natural way first, you know, see what um, earth provides. And then even from talking to you, I'm learning more like a lot of medicine comes from earth. You know what I mean? And there's just so much good that I, I, I mean, you can't. You know, I guess there's a lot of downfalls on Western medicine, but there's a lot of good things as well. You, you know, and that's something I'm learning more throughout my life of being able to have conversations with you and other really smart people. And I really value that. You know, what I mean, I really value our friendship in, in that way of, you know, being able to connect and learn from you and with you. Yeah, man, I, th- I, I think our 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 answers or the answers are found through dialogue with one another. They're they're certainly not to be entrusted to a pill. They're certainly not entrusted um, with, with some off the shelf product that has not even been studied or evaluated, but you know what our experiences along with our wisdom, our knowledge, our understanding comes together in dialogue to maybe shape a different answer that might be a better answer than than you or I alone so yeah I think all our answers are found in dialogue and if 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 my background can add to you and yours to me and ours to the people that are listening to us I mean I I think that's what it's all about man yeah yeah absolutely It, it seems like definitely no one person has all the answers right so it's just great to have these conversations of like, hey, we're sitting here connecting and learning together through an engaging conversation, you know, and that's kind of my idea with this podcast and what we're going to be doing here is I want to have conversations with some of the most inspiring, influential people that I can possibly get a hold of and get on here in a way that how can we connect and learn from each other and learn from you know, each other's past experiences and, you know, things that we're working on now and where our head's at. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I, um, I, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was one of my mentors. I think I made the statement like experience is the greatest teacher. 
and yeah. man, they corrected me really fast. And they said, that's, that's not exactly correct. Ed, it's your evaluated experiences that are your greatest teacher. So it's not just that you've been through the fire. It's what did you learn from it? Uh, what did yeah. you overcome? What are the takeaways, the lessons? And man, that, that can best occur in dialogue with someone to learn from somebody else's experiences and the lessons um, and takeaways from, from their story. So man, I cannot wait to, to learn about these stories from some captivating people we have on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we do have a, a, a bunch of really captivating people. You know, I made kind of like a dream list of what, like a hundred names of just, you know, like people that I think would be awesome to have on this a conversation. And we already have a pretty good group of lists of people who've already said yes, you know, all the way from <clears throat> some of the top BMX racers in the world to some of the top farmers in the world to a lot of doctors and people in the health world who are just on the cutting edge of the newest research of, hey, how can we be happy, healthy, and strong? Yeah, that's a mantra you've carried for a little while. Right, <laughs> yeah. Will, happy, healthy, strong. I remember um, um, how many years ago was that? It was just a couple of years ago that you were hardcore into building an environment, creating, building, and maintaining an environment of a self-sustaining backyard, right? Yeah. And and yeah. now now you've built that into an entire brand. Uh, I, I'm curious that origin story, though, Will. I don't know if I ever asked you, when did you become curious about su sustainable horticulture, for, for lack of a better term? That's a good question. It actually happened... Um, when I was around 25, right, you know, at this point, my whole life revolved around uh, BMX and physical training and what I could physically do and what I physically look like. And I went through a lot of um, really big injuries and, and some pretty gnarly crashes where my knee exploded and it cracked my femur all the way up. I broke my collarbone, I tore my rotator cuff, I tore my labrum, and I was in a really bad spot. And um, I got to the point where the doctors were really only wanting to give me more surgeries or more prescriptions or more drugs. And, you know, it, it didn't really feel like it was helping, you know, it was kind of throwing me down the path to make it worse. So then, you know, I had this, uh, what's called a micro fracture surgery where they take my knee that was in really bad shape and they pretty much drill it to pieces in hopes that it, uh, grows back properly. And during this time, I actually took stem cells as well. And I was stuck on like 4,000 steps for like a year and a half, which is pretty much just enough movement to go to the bathroom and feed yourself. You know, I couldn't, you know, walk around the block. I couldn't really much walk outside. And these doctors were telling me when I was going back and said, look, I've done everything you've told me to do. I've taken all your drugs. I've taken all your surgeries. I'm still in pain. And then he just looked at me and said, look, you maybe and probably will in pain, will be in pain for the rest of your life. You may never walk again without pain. And this hit me like a truck. You know, I remember driving home from that doctor's appointment, just crying, you know, and because like I said, I put all of the value I put in myself is what I could physically do and what I could physically look like. And now all of a sudden, I'm a 25-year-old professional athlete where I can't even walk my dog around the block. I can't raise my um, arm above my head. 
I couldn't even sleep at night without just excruciating pain in my back and my hips and my legs and my knees and my feet. It's like I had pain all over my body and I'm just thinking, why? Like, what, what am I supposed to do right now? And on that drive home from the doctor's appointment, I made a commitment to myself. I made a commitment to myself that I was going to heal, that I was going to prove that doctor wrong and, and, and not only be back racing again, not only be back riding again, but I wanted to be climbing mountains into my fifties. I want to be running up mountains. You know, I, I want to be able to be on my feet and be athletic and be able to move without, you know, these uh, limitations of just constant pain. And I just went on this journey of healing where I pretty much um, consumed as much information and knowledge as I can from people, from books, from online, from the internet, from podcasts, from YouTube on how to heal the body. And wow, did I learn so much that I never thought was possible. And, you know, this brought me to learning how to heal the body was a lot about healing the mind, you know, and healing, you know, these deep traumas that almost we all hold in our bodies from, you know, times that we were kids. And then it goes down to our movement patterns. It, you know, it goes down to our thought patterns, you know, it goes down to even the food that we eat, the air that we breathe, the soil that we touch and the water we drink. So I just started to, to devour as much of this information as I can and a huge part of what I learned about healing is um, two things. I'll step on that is one is we are our environment. So the more I can help heal my environment, the more I can heal myself because the stronger my environment is, the stronger I will be. You know, the stronger I will be, the stronger my environment will be. So I just started um, slowly putting the pieces together on trying to improve and to nourish my environment so then my environment could nourish me. And a huge part of that is what type of food I put into my body, you know, and I started realizing that the more natural the food is, the better, you know, preferably you want it not sprayed with Roundup, you know, preferably you want it to be not sprayed with a bunch of chemicals or pesticides or fertilizers and in its most natural setting, and what's really powerful is actually the closer that food is grown to you, a lot of times the healthier it is and the more nutritious it is and the better it is for the planet and the better it is for you. So I started trying to grow food in my backyard and I failed. <laughs> I, I, I failed miserably over and over and over. I went to Home Depot and I um, bought some wood and some soil and some seeds and I made some raised beds. And I planted them and then they either dried out, got too wet or the bugs ate them or um, squirrels ate them. I, I, I mean, it was a disaster, you know, like it, I, I wasn't, I didn't grow anything that I could eat. You know, I was pretty much just growing um, a couple leaves that some bugs and some birds could eat. And, uh, and that's when, you know, I came across um, a couple document, a couple documentaries and YouTube channels actually. Uh, one called Back to Eden Gardening Method, and another one was Pete Canaris from Green Dreams, his YouTube channel, which is so cool because he was creating uh, these edible food forests, and they reminded me a lot of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but with edible fruits and vegetables where – you know, this guy was just walking into his front and backyard and he's got bananas, mangoes, avocados, papayas, all these different fruit trees and perennial vegetables. And that 
this process of growing the food was healing the land. You know, his process of growing the food was nourishing the soil and building the soil and really good for the environment, really good for just the wildlife around the local ecosystem. And like I said, one thing I was learning is, you know, the, the better my environment, the better myself. So then when I started to eat foods from my environment, I felt more connected and at one with my environment. And to me, that felt like the opposite of depression, the opposite of anxiety, because I've felt bits and pieces of my life of feeling depressed and feeling a lot of anxiety. And it felt like, especially uh, on depression, I felt disconnected with my environment. I felt disconnected with the people around me. I, I, I felt alone. I felt scared. And then just to have this ongoing relationship with my backyard, you know, like seeing different butterflies and bees and growing this food that I could eat and share with my friends and family that I knew was healthy, that I knew was nutritious, that I knew was not sprayed with a bunch of stuff and it was good for planet and good for the planet and good for the human. So I guess to make a short answer really long. <laughs> um, <laughs> Classic you know, will to, fashion. Yeah, 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 exactly. To make a short answer really long, you know, I, I was just learning to heal and to learn to heal. I kind of became obsessed with trying to heal my environment and um, seeing my environment as myself. Yeah, that that's that's really a fascinating way to look at at healing, right? I think when most people think of healing, and and maybe I'm making this too general, but when people think of healing, they think of maybe a hospital, right? I, yeah. I, I'm going there to get better, or I'm going to the doctor's office, and and although that is a component of of a, of a healing process, not the only one of a healing process. I don't, I don't know if too many people nowadays have an awareness or a consciousness of the value that their environment can bring to their healing. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe that's an overstatement. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, we are so much of our environment. And I feel like that is so downplayed. You know, I think the modern human, we spend so much time thinking about ourselves and our individuality and, you know, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, you know, but we spend so much time like building our own social media accounts, building our own personal brand and building our own name that we forget that we are a community. You know, we are one species right and you know i say this all the time if you're sitting on the moon and you're looking down at planet earth you're seeing one living organism right earth is one living organism in the same way that edwin when i'm looking at you i'm just seeing one living organism i'm not seeing all the billions or trillions different you know the billions and trillions of different microorganisms of bacteria and fungi and you know all of these tiny little bugs that make up you you know, all I see is you. And, you know, I think in the same way, like that's us as a species, that's us as a planet of we truly are one, you know, and even if you read any of the esoteric, you know, disciplines and books, it seems like they all are saying a similar story of think as in one, you know, like realize that we are our environment and our environment is us. Mm, that's really interesting. I, I, 
you know, you know, I'm a personal development coach as, as a side hustle. And, you know, as part of a coaching process, we do consider environmental, how should I say cues and issues that are impacting someone? Like what, what are you watching? That's, that's environmental, right? And it impacts the way you think. Uh, What are you, what are you eating? How are you, uh, what is your, your sleep environment look like? So we talk about these micro environments that we exist in, like your work environment, even all of those different micro environments play a role into how you shape your mindset and perspective in the world. And I'm, I'm curious since you now coach a whole nother generation of up and coming professional athletes, how, how is what you're learning and implementing for yourself and your personal growth, how has that changed the way you coach younger athletes? Really curious about yeah. that. Yeah, that's a really good qu- question. So one thing, like one of the biggest new things that I've learned lately um, from coaching um, athletes all the way from you know, five, six, seven years old to, you know, 18, 19, 21 years old is people learn so much more by watching what you're doing and feeling your energy than anything you can say. Right. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, I can have athletes to that, that stay at acre brand farms and, you know, I could tell them all day, that waking up in the morning and doing a morning meditation before grabbing their phone is the best thing that they can do for their mental health and their mental performance and their creativity. But it doesn't mean a damn thing unless they see me do it, you know, Mm. like, and in the same way, like I can tell a kid that, you know, Hey, you know, the processed sugar and the high fructose corn syrup and, you know, just all the processed food, it it isn't doing anything but polluting your body and polluting the planet. And they're just like, Oh, okay. 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 But every single time, you know, if I go and grab the sweets, so will they. Right. So in the same way as we are our environment, it goes to the exact same thing is like the only thing I have control over is myself. And the biggest way that I can teach somebody is to do it myself and to lead by example and to um, bring the energy that I want to see, you know, like bring the energy that I want to be. So, yeah, one of the biggest things that I've learned is just starting with myself. You know, if I want to you know, bring up my roommate, I have to first bring up myself, you know, and and a lot of times the best way to bring up myself is bring up my roommate, right? Or bring up the person that you're with the absolute most. You know, if you're in a family or like you said, a work setting, right? Like if whoever you spend the most time with, you know, if she's upset, you're upset. You know what I mean? Or or maybe you know, if she or he is having a really good day, you feel a little bit better because they're coming with a little bit better energy. So in the same way, like, you know, I've said a million times, just to make someone's day just a little bit better is the easiest way to make your own day better. And for training these athletes, it's the same thing. I notice when I'm in a group of five people, four people, three people, and we're all just kind of looking 
And if I grab my phone, I've tested it. I'll look up and every single person will grab their phone, right? But if I set my phone down and I just start cleaning the dishes and cleaning my space and like organizing my stuff, usually one or two of them will start to do something productive. You, you know, and I've noticed this every single time that everybody could be sitting on their phones and I'll put my stuff down and I'll start reading a book or I'll start cleaning the house or I'll start cleaning up my own space. And almost every time I will get at least one or two other people without saying a word to just start using their time a little bit better. So, Will, I'm curious, when it comes to habits that you've had to develop over over these past few years from, from your recurrent injuries and the healing processes that you're interested in, what habits have been, been more significant for you now than ever before? It's a really good question. Um, I would still say the number one thing is taking time every morning and when I'm really on it, every evening, just with myself with no distractions. I mean, making sure, you know, when I'm waking up in the morning, like I said, before I grab my phone and check into the world, I like to go outside, check in with the sun and myself. So, you know, as early as I can, I try to walk outside and just get sun on my skin and then lay down a mat somewhere outside and just connect with my breath and my movement and just be there for about 20, 30 minutes. At, you know, if I don't have a lot of time, 10, 15 minutes at least, five minutes bare minimum of just time with myself, you know. And then during that time, I'll check in with my body to see what's tight and to see what needs a little bit of love and what needs a little bit of attention. And then just feel my breath. You know, I'm still doing Wim Hof breathing pretty much every single morning. Um, you, you know, at least one round, usually I'll do three, three rounds in that, um, you know, time period on my mat pretty much every single morning. And I'll try to do the same thing at nighttime, which most of the time I do, um, before nine o'clock, before eight o'clock, usually as the sun goes down, I try to go down. Right. So when the sun goes down, I'll try to um, lower the lights because I think lights are something that is really underrated and not thought about a lot, but make a huge impact on the way we feel, the way we recover, the way we you know, show up in our day. So, um, yeah, first thing in the morning, I try to get that sunshine on my skin. And as the sun goes down, I try to dim the lights. Um, and put my phone on airplane mode outside of my bedroom. And then I'll end my day back on the mat. And usually in my book, just kind of like you said, it's not the experience, but it's the what like analyzed Eva experience, evaluated experience, uh, yeah, evaluated experience. Yeah. So I'll just start, maybe I'll write down a couple things that I accomplished that day and a couple things that went well, and then maybe some things that I can improve upon and things that I got to remember to do the next day. Um, and then I'm just constantly, you know, creating the life and the life that I want to live and the person I want to be. So like I said, to make a short answer long, <laughs> it's just spending that time, the first thing and last thing of my day with myself and using some lights. Yeah, I, I respect that a lot. 
uh, Will. I, I think that is a tremendous habit that raises your self-awareness. And if 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 there's one um, pandemic that I think we have across across the world, and particularly here in the U.S., is a lack of self-awareness. And I, I really appreciate the way that you describe connecting with yourself and your environment. And, and a component of that, Will, that I'm, I've always been impressed um, with about you is that book that you just held up. You've, you've got several of those, right? And I, I, I would say that you're, you're probably, uh, in another life, you were an architect, um, you, you were an artist, you, you, you created the structure for your life through pen and paper. And I, I love the way you do that because I think without that vision, you don't have a compass. You don't know which way yeah. you're going. And I, I just love the way you write everything out and design and to your point, create the life that yeah. you want to live. And I think we've lost that, that art. How do you, how do you coach that into people? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think a quote that I heard one time in my life that really stuck with me was writing is the purest form of thinking because you have to finish the thought to finish the sentence. Um, so and and so that got me thinking, I know I was very often just rushing my thinking and not completing my thoughts and not following through with all of this mumbo jumbo that was in my head. So just to clarify what I'm trying to do and why just made such a big, big, big impact, right? Because I, you know, when I was 25 and I really changed all these things, I had all these, you know, things going on in my head, positive things for once in my life that I wanted to do and I wanted to accomplish. But my energy and my focus and my time were just all over the place where I wasn't really getting anywhere. So then I just had to start writing it down, right? And the way I use this book specifically is, so at the end of the book, you know, at the back of it, th this is where I'm writing down concrete goals that I could check off. And like a lot of these concrete goals are like goals that maybe I want to accomplish before I die. Right. You, you know, it's like that book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It talks about beginning with the end in mind. And so, you know, I do that practice where I close my eyes and picture my funeral you know, and I picture like the closest people that love me and care about me, like, what do I want them to say? Like, what do I have want to have accomplished? Like, what do I want to have done? And, you know, the impact that I want to leave here. And, and just to clarify where I want to be at the end of my life, the end of this decade, the end of this year, it gives me, like you said, a compass of what I'm doing today. Right. So at the end, I'll write these concrete things down of what I want to create into this world and where I want to be and what I want to do. And then this is, you know, and then the inside pages are me blueprinting my way there. Right. Of like, how do I do that? And a lot of times it's simply just waking up and writing a few things of gratitude, you know, to set the tone for my day and to write down my intentions on what I'm trying to get out of the day. And then I'm writing down two or three things, specific things that I'm going to do that day to get me closer towards the end of this book. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, I'm a huge fan of Stephen Kotler. Uh, I don't know if you know that name. He is a the world-renowned guru of flow. He yeah, yeah. The, he wrote the book about impossible. 
Yeah. Or doing the impossible. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he talks about several of the the principles that you just went over. And I think um goal setting, he calls it a goal stack. Um, um uh, uh, his goal stack starts with a massive transformative um a, a, a massive transformative process i think it's an mtp is is like the the big thing that you want to accomplish kind of like what's in the back of your book and then breaking that down into high hard goals that you can accomplish over the next one to three years that will move you closer to the back of the book goals. And then you break those down into your tactical monthly, quarterly, weekly, daily, clear goals that are measurable, binary, either you do it or you don't and attainable. Right. And I, I think that's how you get, that's how you get into a flow state. Um, Yeah, yeah that's, that's so similar. That is really so similar to what I'm doing. And and it's funny because I never thought about that's how you get into the flow state. But that's what it's doing because I'm writing down everything I'm thinking or, or you, you know, I'm writing down everything I need to think about. Right. So all of my thinking is done in this book. So I'm clarifying what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and when I'm doing it. And then when I'm actually doing it, I don't have to think about it. I can just completely be 100% there. And that's how you get into the flow state is where you're past the thoughts is where you're past all of that stuff, but you can just completely surrender to the moment and be engulfed into exactly what you're doing. And that's when you're going to have the absolute best performance. Yeah, no doubt. And you're a peak performance athlete. So I I knew that that flow metaphor would, would resonate with, with you. Uh, what I also found interesting in in studying Stephen Cutler was the fact that um, I always thought purpose and passion were the start of of the flow process, but I was wrong. It's actually curiosity, and and you know when you tell your story about getting curious about healing, you that became the beginning of your flow state in in determining what the avenues were and what the answers were for you and your healing process. So I I think that's so, so critical that in our curiosity, we get clarity on the question we're asking. We write it down. We understand it. We discern it deeply. And then we deconstruct it into clear, actionable goals. And I just think maybe will we're in this we're in a, a part of human development where everything's getting hacked and shortcutted uh, i i know as an athlete you can't shortcut performance you have to train for it right and and we just aren't used to we expect it from from athletes like you but we don't expect it of ourselves when it comes to our own performance in our own environments what would you say to that well it seems like we're so focused on the result. Hmm. You know, we're, you know, we can be so focused on the destination and what I'm going to get from this instead of the process. Right. You know, and that's something that we teach, you know, with these athletes that we work with every day, you know, 
it, it's good to spend some time and clarify exactly your goal. Say, I want to win this race, right? You know, I'm training to be number one in the state. I'm training to be number one in the nation. I'm training to be number one in the world or I'm training to win the Olympics, right? It's good to spend some time and clarify that goal. But if the whole time you're training, you're thinking about that goal, you're taking attention away from your training. So, you know, we teach these athletes process first, process, 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 because when you're so focused on, oh, I want to make this much money, you forget about just doing what it takes to make a dollar, you know? So, you know, in the same thing is just learning to fall in love with the process, you know, winning is great, but you got to fall in love with the pain of training. You, you got to fall in love with the training. You have to fall in love with the work. And when you fall in love with pushing yourself past your comfort zone, that's the results will come because it doesn't matter what your goal is. When you accomplish it, it's going to feel great. But the next day it's going to be like, okay, now what, you know, like, and this is very common with, you know, Michael Phelps talked about this a lot. It's like, like his whole life revolved around getting all these gold medals. And then after he got all these gold medals, he went into the deepest depression of his life or something like that. Cause it's like, once you have a goal and you accomplish that goal, then what are you living for? Right. So like it, 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 it's, it's great to have goals. And, but the goal is just like setting the compass to the destination of the direction that you're going. But the attention is on the right now is, you know, is the being the present is the day in day out, waking up in the morning and, and telling your wife or husband that you love them, you know, and, you know, kissing your kids, you know, before they go to school, you know, like, that's the tiny little details inside the each day that makes life worth living. Right. And, and, and I think, yes, yeah, it's, it, it's focusing your attention on the process of what it takes to get the goal instead of just obsessing over the goal. Yeah. That, Will, I've always respected you for that. I've always respected all athletes for, for the investment in the process because your, your stage time is really short, right? When you, when, yes, when you go and compete, we're talking about minutes and seconds of time, but we're talking about hours, weeks, and months of preparation for that. Yeah. And, and I would argue that what you do in your sport alone, um, and I guess it could be said for any sport, is the level of risk you're willing to take in order to do that is a component of flow. So along with curiosity and, and everything else we've talked about, if you're unwilling to take the risk and risk failure, you're, you're never going to be in that ultimate creative space of flow and therefore yeah. uh, your outcomes are going to be in question. So help me. I, I love the way you said it. You said the pain of training and, and, and it's not only that, that, that process pain, but it's also the pain of a failure. How, how, how have you exercised that muscle over, over your professional career? failed a lot <laughs> you know failing and failing and failing again and failing smarter right like and that's you know and that's the thing is like when you're too goal focused you're afraid to fail not realizing that failure is the way to su to succeeding 
right? And like, there's so many people who are like afraid to step out of their comfort zone because what if they fail? What if they look stupid? What if it doesn't go like they want? Like, okay, that's great. That means you're on the right track, <laughs> right? So, so, and I think that's the biggest thing is like, like we tell athletes all the time is like, you don't learn anything from winning. <laughs> you, you, you know, you might gain some self-confidence that might make winning a little bit easier for the next time, but you don't learn much from winning. You learn from losing. Losses are lessons, right? Like with every loss that you get, with every failure, you know, like a failure is the it's like the most beautiful package of the perfect information you need to get closer to your goal. Right. It's like fail and fail fast. You know, the more that you can fail, the more information you're going to get on how to get closer towards where you're actually trying to go. So I think it's like, we have to get over the feel of, you know, we have to get over the fear of failing, you know, because the fear of failing is, is what's going to hold us back from ever succeeding. Hmm. Hmm. So that begs the question, Will, what do you, what do you think is the, the biggest obstacle or threat to human performance as we know it today? Cause we're all interested in performance. I am as, as a healthcare professional and as a, um, a, a side hustling executive coach, uh, you're interested in in performance as an athlete. You coach performance. What's the biggest threat to all of that? What do we need to be on the lookout for? Ourselves. Yeah, and <laughs> you complacency know, maybe. Yeah, well, well, it's like it's reliant on us, right? Right. It's really easy to blame your mom, blame your dad, blame your husband, blame your wife, blame your job, blame your work, blame something, blame this. But I think the only person that could cause a miserable life is yourself. We have so much more control over our lives than we give ourselves credit. And I think the more that we're able to understand ourselves, the more we will get out of ourselves, right? So if you, right, and what's going to work best for me is going to be different than what works best for you. So I think it, it, it goes back to ourself and learning how to understand ourselves, learning our deep why. And, and I've found for me, you know, like the best way to do that is just sit with yourself. Set a 30 minute timer, go outside with no distractions, turn your phone on airplane mode, set a timer and just sit there for 30 minutes. And all of those typical thoughts that you're constantly having will come up. And if you do this every day, you'll start to uh, get really familiar with your patterns of thinking. So many of us are not even familiar with ourselves and how we think and what we like, because we're distracting ourselves so much with just scrolling on social media, you know, just the quick dopamine of the food, the sugar, the processed food, or, you know, wh whatever that is to you, everybody's got their own thing, right? So it's like, but the more that we can spend time with ourselves and like getting out of our comfort zone, you know, as well as just, um, you know, that's why I think meditation is so beautiful, right? Cause you're literally just sitting there with no distractions with yourself and all of those thoughts come up. And if you sit there long enough, you, you get past that surface layer 
And then you start to really get down to what really makes you tick, you know, and what really holds you back, you know, and the things that are really important to you. And if you sit there long enough, then you start to real like start to get these memories to come back of like why you are the way you are and what are the things that was the most important to you when you were a kid. You, you know, a lot of times it's not like, it's not that the trick is learning new information, but it's like forgetting all the programs that we've learned throughout our lifetime. So it's like, you know, if you ask me, what is the biggest thing holding us back to peak performance? It is ourselves. And it's the only thing that's holding us back. So the more you can understand yourself and the more you can really get to know yourself, the more you're going to get out of yourself mentally and physically. Oh, that's cool, man. I, I read an article the other day saying we update the operating system in our phones a hundred times more frequently than we update our own stinking thinking, right? So, yeah. um, you know, that's my hope for this podcast, Will, is that through this, through the stories that we share, being in dialogue with some of today's most fascinating and interesting leaders performance athletes, entrepreneurs, et cetera, that those stories stimulate um, um, a spark of curiosity within someone to raise their self-awareness, to get them more connected with self, because that's where the journey begins. It's it's an inside job. Uh, it, it's not an outside job that you need to wait on as if it's a destination on a map. It is something you create inside. So man, this is going to be an exciting journey. Talk about falling in love with the process. I'm already in love with the process, Will. <laughs> well, it sounds like we're on the right track, man. And I'm excited, you know, and we're hoping to um, drop a new episode every single week, right? So if you're on YouTube, Spotify, you know, make sure to subscribe or what other platforms are we going to have this on, Edwin? Yeah, it'll definitely be Apple Podcast. It'll be Google Podcast. It'll be Spotify. Definitely the video will be on YouTube. Um, we're going to distribute it. Wherever there is an outlet, this uh, this program will be distributed there. It's that easy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for it, Edwin. <laughs> awesome, my friend. Well, look, this has been a great conversation. Tell me who's up next. I know that's going to be a great conversation, right? Yeah, um, I got two people that were just dialing in on the dates, and it's a couple of the biggest BMX racers in the game, you know, so I really wanted to start out with people that I personally know, um, you, you know, just to get a good flow with this thing. So actually, um, one of the first people is his name is Anthony Bacardo, um, aka Shibby. He's actually the current USA national champion. Um for the elite men at BMX racing. And he is an, an awesome character, you know, like he just has personality for, for, for days. One of the most unique and, and, and branded athletes in our sport. Um, and he's hilarious with one of the craziest stories of a background I've probably ever heard of in my life. And then the other person is actually um, the number two guy in the, this guy won the race and the next guy he got second um and it's actually my um best friend roommate teammate um partner a business partner and everything that, that i do jeremy smith um who's also one of the top athletes in the whole world he's you know n number two for the usa bm or for the um 
USA national championship. And uh, yeah, so I'm really excited to start these conversations with a few BMX racers that are just at the top of their game right now and doing some really awesome things in their life. Excellent. Well, I got to get my question list started for for people of that caliber. Goodness gracious, I'm already yes, in, intimidated. I've got to go do my my homework on BMX. Um, you have a <laughs> cheat sheet for me, right? All the things I need to know about BMX, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll be just fine. You know, you know, because these conversations will be good if you're into BMX, if you race BMX, or even if you don't. You, you know, especially because a lot of these athletes are just. They're really cool, down-to-earth people, and there's always something that you can relate to and connect with or be entertained with. You know, um, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Excellent. Now, I'll bring in some some guests from the healthcare space so we can get some good debate going. We'll bring in yeah. some entrepreneurs because I think entrepreneurs are just they're built differently, man. They're, they're, they're just unique characters that I, I think have, have great origin stories and they also have um, uh, amazing vision and they are in their own right, high performance athletes in their own field. So yeah. these are going to be some good yeah. conversations. You know, Edwin, and you have a lot of really awesome content and a lot of really awesome resources yourself. You have, you know, I know you do social media and you have your own podcast as well, don't you, sir? That is correct. The Aesthetics yeah, so where of Leadership could... Podcast. I'm sorry, say that again? Yeah, it's the Aesthetics of Leadership Podcast. So uh, yeah. I've always felt like there is a look to leadership that is unmistakable. And my mentor and coach always told me leadership is nothing more than influence. And when you see it, you know it. So um, aesthetics are the nature and appreciation of something. So uh, the show is is really about other people's leadership and uh, growth journey. Cool, cool. Well, maybe one day you'll ask me to be on it and I'm there. Yeah, hey, <laughs> one of these episodes is going to find its way right over there, Will. So yeah, maybe this wait. one, so who knows? Where, uh, where else can they find you, Mr. Dr. Edwin Adams? Yeah. So you've said, you've said a term frequently uh, during this conversation about disrupting comfort zones. Well, I have been a huge advocate for the disruption of comfort for a long time. So disruptcomfort.com has been my web address for almost 30 years. Um, I have webinars that I host periodically, free newsletters on how to overcome fear, coaching programs, you name it. So that's, that's really the best place uh, to find me and where I'm at. Awesome. Awesome. And if you're looking to connect more with me or to give me any ideas or guest options, um, you know, or topics or, you know, and we're still even talking about a name for this podcast as well. You, you, you know, we've talked about granted for grant and ed. Um, but yeah, if you have recommendations, recommendations for a name and some guests that you would uh, like to see on here, um, find me on social media. Um, I'm pretty active and really responsive on Instagram um, at the Will Grant, which is the same as my Facebook as well at the Will Grant. Twitter. Um, I'm doing my best to be more active on Twitter um, at the Will Grant as well. Um, and yeah, my website is also thewillgrant.com. So and. Also, if you want to see everything that we're building, me and um, my partner, Jeremy Smith, you can go to acrebrandfarms.com. And that's A-K-E-R brand 
farms.com. And this shows you a bit about this 15 acre um, BMX training farm that we're building. And we also are coming out with merch and coaching events and some really cool stuff on there as well. Excellent, my friend. Uh, I look forward to the next conversation, Will. Thanks for the dialogue today. Hey, I'm always a pleasure seeing you, Edwin, and I'll see you next week.